If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So raw's enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Davis, to step up in the pocket, gonna heave it for the end zone, and it is caught! It's caught! It's a touchdown, Whitley! Going to throw. Throws back. He's on the Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. This is your Texas High School Football Podcast, and this is a Dash Sports Media production. We're about to head into the slate for Week 10, but before we do that, we're going to go ahead after that and welcome on the show the executive director of the Touchdown Club of Houston. They've got a big event coming out on Wednesday, which is tomorrow for those of you that are listening to this on time. So before... But before we get into the scores in our interview, Tobin, anything really catch your eye this past week? No, Jordy, uh, nothing really caught my eye. Uh, just off the top of my head, you know, uh, just kept an eye on the scores of the games that we uh, talked about. Um, I was a little surprised, and I believe Stratford kind of pulled away from Groover um, in that game. And then, you know, just uh, just overall a good week of football and uh, starting to get a clearer picture of how these playoff races are going to end up. And uh, there wasn't a lot of surprising scores. I mean, when you just look at who won and everything. But one thing I did notice is that I accidentally found the Yoakum and Houtsville game on YouTube. And Yoakum was up 14 to 7. Uh, obviously, Houtsville came back. But, um, I mean, Yoakum was in there with the ball tied 14 to 14. They had the ball on Houtsville's, I want to say, 25 or just outside the red zone and weren't able to get any points out of it. And yeah. then I got distracted by the Astros game, came back to it, and Houtsville had just taken the lead. So I'm not exactly sure what had happened there, but it was uh, it was definitely a back-and-forth game from the parts that I watched. And I'm sure there was a lot of that throughout the, uh, throughout the state where if you don't look, if you didn't watch the game, you can't really get a good taste of how great yeah, the game was. Like I couldn't find the Groover and uh, Stratford game, but Stratford shut him out. And I was very surprised, but I mean, that was kind of, didn't see that one coming just from everything that I've seen, but you know, it is what it is. It's a big, big time win for the Elk. Yeah, Tobin, so I saw that too, and I would just assumed it was a butt kicking, but I obviously I didn't watch it. But we're gonna go ahead and talk about that and more and get into our scores from last week. So now it's time for our scores and our week nine recap, starting with class six A, the number one Austin Westlake Chaparrales. They moved to eight and oh, taking down Austin Aikens, 55 to six. Number two, Katie was off. Number three, South Lake Carroll got a big win over Haslett Eaton, 47 to 24. The Duncanville Panthers are at number four. They beat Cedar Hill, 58 to seven. Number five, Atascacita was off. Number six, Rockwall Heath, they defeat Mesquite, 42 to 21. 
Number seven, Spring Westfield. They take down Spring Decaney 55 to zero. Number eight, North Shore defeated Houston King 17 to zero, who at the time was ranked at uh, number 22. Number nine, Lake Travis defeated Austin Bowie 52 to 21. Number 10, Allen. They take down McKinney 35 to 14. Number 11, Denton Geyer. They defeated McKinney Boy 35 to 10. And number 12, the Spring Lions. They take down Aldine 70 to zero. Moving over to the 2-1-0, number 13, San Antonio Brennan defeated San Antonio J 69-6. Both Rockwall and Arlington Martin at 14 and 15, respectively, were off. Number 16, Euless Trinity defeated Weatherford 49-21. Number 17, Cibolo Steel took down South, took down South San Antonio 56-6. And out in West Texas, number 18, Midland Legacy takes down Midland High 57-27. Number 19, the Louisville Farmers, they they take down Koppel 38 to 15. Austin, number 20, Austin Vandergrift defeated Round Rock Westwood 70 to 3. Number 21, the Woodlands defeated Conroe Grand Oaks 49 to 20. And then number 22, Fort Bend Ridge Point, they take down Elkins 27 to 7. Some new guys this week that were not ranked last week. Number 23, DeSoto, they took down Waco Midway 62 to 10. The Dickinson Gators at number 24, who we've talked about quite a bit this year, they defeated Clearbrook 42 to 20. And the Jersey Village Falcons come in at number 25 after defeating Houston Spring Woods 55 to 3. Tobin, let's go ahead and move it down to 5A D1. Yeah, so let's roll into 5A D1. Number one, Denton Ryan Raiders beat Frisco Heritage 55 14. The number two, College Station Cougars roll over Conroe Caney Creek 70 to 0. The number three, Highland Park Scott, beat Tyler 42-14. The number four, Amarillo Tascosa Rebels get a big W over Lubbock Monterey 60-18. The number five, Katie Paytow Panthers with a very convincing win over Fort Bend Hightower 55-7. Number six, Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial was off this week. The number seven, Colleyville Heritage Panthers beat Birdville 61-26. The number eight, Frisco Lone Star Rangers Roll over Frisco Centennial 68-13. The number nine Longview Lobos got some rest this week. And the number 10 Dripping Springs Tigers make an appearance inside the top 10 after beating San Antonio Harlandale 52-14. Jordy, take it away with 5AD2. A little bit of movement in the rankings, but number one stays the same with Alito. They stay steady, take down Waco University 65-14. Lovejoy, they jumped Fort Bend Marshall. So Lovejoy is now two after defeating Frisco to 38 to 15. Fort Bend got jumped because they were off. Number four, Ennis defeated Forney 31 to seven. Number five, Lubbock Cooper, they took down Wichita Falls 52 to 21. Number six, South Oak Cliff defeated Dallas Adamson 63 to zero. Number seven, Texarkana High took down Jacksonville 42 to nine. The number eight Montgomery Bears defeated Lamar 42 to 24. Number nine, Alamo Heights, they defeated Bernie Champion 21 to 17. And our new number 10 team, the Crosby Cougars, they took down PNG Port Neches Grove 69 to 28. Tobin, let's go ahead and move it down to 4A. Yeah, let's move into 4A D1. The number one Austin LBA Jaguars beat Lampasas 88 to 42. Number two, Stephenville. Rolls over Waxahachie Live, 49-6. The number three, El Campo Ricebirds and Ruben Owens beat Bay City, 45-12. Number four, Melissa stays hot as they roll over Carrollton Ranch View, 
Number five, Argyle Eagles defeat Terrell by a score of 56-14. The number six, Kilgore Bulldogs get a close win over Henderson, 35-34. The number seven, Wichita Falls Hershey Huskies defeat Gainesville by a score of 54-12. Number eight, Corpus Christi Cal Allen beats Alice, 37-0. The number nine, Waco La Vega Pirates make an appearance back in the top ten after beating Midlothian Heritage, 40-28. Number 10, Vider Pirates, 7-0, beat Livingston 40-7, and they make an appearance inside the top 10 this week. Jordy, take it away with 3AD1. Alrighty, over here in 4AD2, not a lot of movement until you get down to the bottom. Number one, Carthage, they took down Rust 35-14. The Gilmore Buckeyes, they stay on a collision course, headed ready for Carthage again in the playoffs. But until then, they take down Texarkana Liberty. 51 to 7. Number three, Salina. They take down Van Alstine 41 to 12. 41 to 12. The number four, West Orange Stark Mustangs defeat Liberty 73 to 7. Number five, China Spring Cougars. They handle Salado 48 to 7. Number six, Belleville defeats Brookshire 42 to 0. Number seven, Van takes down Bullard 56 to 7. Number eight, the Quero Gobblers defeat Navasota 55 to 14. The number nine, Sitton Pirates, defeat Robstown 70-6. to And number 10, Wimberley, is back into the top 10 after defeating previously number eight, Navarro, 27-0. to Let's yeah, move it ju- on to 3A. Yeah, jumping into 3A, D1, Tuscola, Jim Ned, rolls over San Angelo, TLC, 70-0. The number two, Brock Eagles, beat Boyd, 55-7. The number three, Hallettsville, Bramers, get a big win over Yoakum, 21-14. to The number four, Mountain Vernon Tigers, defeat Winsboro, 41-21. Number five, Vanderbilt Industrial. Number six, West Trojans were both off this week. The number seven, Grandview Zebras, beat Whitney, 55-10, and that sets up a district showdown with them in West next week. The number eight, Lorena Leopards, beat Cameron Yo, 42-20. Number nine, Tatum, gets a big win over Jefferson, 56-20. And Jordy, your Columbus Cardinals get a convincing win over Hempstead. 49 to 12 going into 3A D2. So moving over to 3A D2, quite a bit of movement. Once again, not at the top. Number one, the Franklin Lions, they defeat Buffalo 77 to 3. Number two, the Gunther Tigers take down Blue Ridge 49 to 14. The number three Childress Bobcat, Bobcats defeated Tulia 56 to 21. Number four, Holiday takes down Nakona 62 to 14. Number five, the West Rusk. The West Rusk Raiders take down Harmony 63 to 18. The number six, Newton Eagles were off. Number seven, Lubbock Roosevelt takes down Abernathy 58 to 56 in an upset. Number eight, Wascombe takes down Harlington 67 to zero. Number nine, the Canadian Wildcats defeat Friona 33 to 27 in a close one. And then Abernathy falls to number 10 from number six after losing that two point thriller to Lubbock Roosevelt. Tobin, let's move it down on to 2A. And we are in 2A D1. The number one Referio Bobcat shut out Three Rivers 55 to 0. The number two Shiner Comanches have a shutout of their own against Weimer 70 to 0. Number three, Timpson was off this week. Number four, Crawford coming in at 8 0, beats Boskyville 54 to 14. The number five, Holly Bearcats get a win over Anson 35 to 0. Number six, New Deal Lions beat Tohoka 49-0. Number seven, Beckville was off this week. And number eight, Mason Punchers squeaked by Johnson City 26-21. to 
Number nine, Coleman Blue Cats coming in from being previously unranked after a big win over Cisco, 31-7. And number 10, Forston Buffaloes beat Haskell, 28-0. Jordy, finish it out with 2AD1. Yeah, so we talked about the Stratford game earlier. There's a decent amount of movement this week with two new teams and uh, quite a bit of shuffling. The top four, however, remain the same as number one, Mart does what they do. They beat Frost 78 to zero. Number two, Munster was off. Number three, Winthorst was beat. Number three, Winthorst beat Chico 46 to 12. Number four, Albany was off. As we mentioned, the number five, Stratford Elks, they took down Groover 35 to zero. Number six, Falls City Beavers move up a spot after after defeating Runge 59 to zero. The Tenaha Tigers move up two from number nine to seven as they defeated Cushing 49 to six. A new team in the top 10, Clarendon, they took down Wellington 21 to 20 and they jumped Wellington, who's at number nine now, previously number five, as they obviously lost to Clarendon. Number 10, McAmey, the Badgers are in the top 10 after defeating Plains 61 to six. That everybody is our week nine recap. Hopefully your team was not one of the ones that got jumped. And if they were, we're sorry. And if they, you were one of the teams jumping into the top 10, congratulations. Hopefully they carry the momentum into the week 10 and into the week 11 and follow it up with a good playoff. Yeah, Jordy, this is the most movement we've seen this year. And especially in the smaller school divisions, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I guess, and that makes sense with how many district championships are being decided. Uh, you know, the cream really rises to the top. Yeah, especially that 2AD the 2AD2 and the 3AD2, there was absolutely no movement yeah. all year. And then, I mean, 2AD2 has two unranked teams and then four or five teams that moved in different directions. It was yep. it was a lot of movement this week. But oh yeah, if you think that was crazy, wait till you get and hear what the matchups we have for you on Thursday. So tune in then. We'll get you our Week 10 preview, our coaches interview. But let's go ahead and take it on over to our interview with the executive director of the Houston Touchdown Club, Mr. Neil Farmer. Howdy, everybody. As you may or may not know, we started Clear Eyes, Full Hearts to highlight the sacrifice of time and efforts from coaches, players, and communities to make Friday night lights in Texas so special. And today we're gonna be joined by a representative from the Touchdown Club of Houston. And this organization symbolizes these same sentiments. Today, we are welcomed with the executive director, Mr. Neil Farmer on the show. And he's going to help us get a better understanding of what they do and how they're giving back to the Houston community. Mr. Farmer, thank you for joining us today. I know you have a busy week, especially with the event going on. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having us. Tobin, you want to go ahead and take it away? Yes, sir. So, uh, Mr. Farmer, uh, just to start us off, do you mind giving us a little bit of history of the uh, Houston TD Club and some of the events and projects y'all host throughout the year to promote football in the Houston area? Sure. Um, the club was started in 1966, basically as a Monday morning armchair quarterback meeting. Uh, back then, uh, Houston was quite a bit smaller, so they met at a hotel somewhat near Rice, and... Um, they had every coach from each Southwest Conference school come in, I think, except maybe Arkansas. And they would have a weekly conference. Um, well, I, I call it a news conference, but it's more like an update. Hi, how's your neighbor kind of thing. And 
uh, over the years, the um, Houston grew. You know, people moved out to the Woodlands, to Baytown, Clear Lake, all the way out to Katy. So it's, we don't really have that meeting each week anymore, but it's just basically because it's impossible. People can't drive in from Katy uh, to, a, a, to the Galleria for a, a, an hour lunch. You know, it just, because that's about what, hour, hour and a half to get there and, and same distance to, to get back. So what we've done, our, our formula now is to have specific events for uh, high schools, colleges, you know, specific areas. So uh, lately we've had each year, the coaches come in from Baylor, A&M, Texas Tech, uh, LSU, Rice, Houston, Texas Southern, Prairie View, and we used to have Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, but it was a, a long drive for them too. And uh, we've had Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Alabama. It's uh, it's really kind of a we, we try to be an MVP of Houston football um, connections. We at least we try to think of ourselves that way. That but that's only part of it. The other part is we promote high schools. And we have the preseason and postseason play, uh, players for UIL. We, we have to say UIL instead of public sports because a Jesuit is now in, in the UIL. And then we have preseason and postseason players for uh, private schools. Then we also have a scholar-athlete luncheon. Used to do it in November. This year we'll do it in either February or March. And then we also have a, a really big deal, I think, a sportsmanship luncheon where we have the referees who uh, – fill out uh, electronic cards after each game they, they cover and uh, they determine who the top teams are in terms of uh, sportsmanship, playing things the right way, doing the right things, plus the, the parents in the stands, the bands, the, the support crew. So then a nutshell is what we're, we've evolved into. Yeah, I really appreciate you expanding on that. You know, I've always heard of the Houston Touchdown Club and things like that, but uh, didn't know the full capabilities of everything they all did. So it's really interesting to hear all of that. Uh, Jordy, go, go ahead. So I, I was doing a little bit of research and I saw that you can become a member of the touchdown club in Houston. Number one, I saw a very neat benefit to becoming a member, but in general, if you want to speak on that, and then what are some of the benefits of becoming a member in general? Well, we of course want everyone to be a member, um, but uh, when you're a member of the touchdown club, you become a member of the Houston chapter of the National Football Foundation. And that is the organization that, that one, runs the College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, two, it uh, gives out scholarships on a national level to, um, for graduate students and runs the Campbell Award, which is the, uh, the top scholar athlete in, in uh, college. So we feel lucky that they wanted us to join them it's a very uh, influential uh, group, and they like us, and we like them. Uh, in the past, when you joined the Touchdown Club of Houston, you could get uh, a uh, polo shirt and a hat, a, you know, baseball hat. But that's when the hotels were only charging us, you know, twenty-five dollars or thirty dollars for a meal, and they've almost doubled. So if we started doing that again then we wouldn't make any profit. And, you know, it's the chicken and the egg. Are we here to make a profit or to help kids? Well, the number one thing is to help kids. But if we don't have money, 
then we can't give out scholarships or provide weight rooms or do the senior showcase, which uh, a, a lot of kids, I, I think we've had uh, 900 kids in nine years get about 900 million in scholarship uh, offers to help them uh, continue their, their uh, college football career on the NCAA Division II, Division III, and NAIA levels. So, you know, please join by all means. I think it's, it's $55 to join. I think it's, uh, well, $100 to join the first time and then $55 each year after that. But, uh, and we don't get to keep much of it. A lot of that goes up to uh, Dallas, to the NFF, which is fine because they do great work and we support them and they support us. Is there, so maybe I misread that and I can cut this out if so, but is there a, a situation where you get to vote on the College Football Hall of Fame? Yes, uh, they, we do that also. Uh, it, it, when you're a member, you get the magazine. Well, of course, it's electronic now. And uh, you can vote on who goes into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, what it does is it goes, the NFF votes go before the selection committee and they will weigh that. But uh, we're not voting for people per se. We're voting to try and uh, get the NFF selection committee to make their decisions. So um, uh, I, I hope that's not misrepresented. You're one vote for a person to get in, but instead, it, it, I mean, it works. Uh, you know, you're, you're helping the NFF and their uh, selection process. But, uh, and to me, that's really cool. Uh, like when I was a sports writer, I would uh, vote in um, various awards uh, like uh, the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. I, actually, I'm still a voter in that. Yeah. and the uh and others but as a non-sports writer or non-sports person you do have a chance to help select uh all americas through if you become a member of the touchdown club which i think is kind of cool yeah no, yeah, that, no doubt that definitely really called cool. my attention Heck so yeah. you want to go into yours yeah so uh mr farmer i know that there are other touchdown clubs around the state is there ever a circumstance where y'all work together in events that are put on throughout the year no, I, I try to stay in touch with them as well as the one in Atlanta is really big. Yeah. Uh, the one in Memphis, uh, there's no national touchdown club organization where you get a charter from it or a franchise. Okay. It's just uh, something that was started locally and grew uh, organically in that city. So uh, I, I can't think of anything that we would do because basically we're just here to raise money to help Houston kids. Right. And if uh, like there's a gridiron club in Dallas that was started mm -hmm. based on us. And yeah. uh, if we help them, we help them get started. But right. uh, if we gave them money, then that would sort of defeat the purpose of our uh, uh, community service projects. I mean, not to say that in a negative way, but we, we, uh, we will help anybody we can just um, not with cash. <laughs> right. It's just more locally. Okay. It's more local than, like a thing that would be go around I thought it might be like an organization that you know there's an Austin chapter a Dallas chapter but y'all are just specifically to Houston there's no like I guess governing body for y'all correct it's okay like I said it's all organic locally yep. locally grown locally owned well I say owned we're a 501c3 right but, right uh, it, yeah I, no one is connected to the other other than I, I called Memphis and Atlanta occasionally to bounce ideas off of them and vice versa okay cool awesome and I mentioned it in the intro, and then you and I were talking about it just casually over the phone. But y'all have a big event coming up on Wednesday. I guess when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow for everybody. But on Wednesday of this week, 
they have a big event. You want to talk about that? Is it sold out? Can they still get tickets or how, how gives give us a little bit of information on that? Oh, sure. Well, we started off with the idea of having a dinner for the 100th anniversary of the 12th man at Texas A&M that happened on what, January 1st in 1922. But this is the season, the 100th anniversary season for that event. Uh, they defeated Center College in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, E. King Gill came out of the stands and dressed in a football uniform because, I don't know, it was three, four, maybe five people were injured. They were down to literally 11 people only. And if someone else had been injured, then Gill would have had to play. But uh, that's, that's why the A&M has the 12th man. And anybody who went to A&M knows this story. Yeah, but um, we decide every year we also give out something called the touchdowner of the year. I, I sort of think of it as the Houston Heisman. And uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily someone from Houston, but, you know, Doak Walker's got it, Daryl Royal, R.C. Slocum, Kenny Houston, uh, gosh, or Bear Bryant, uh, Earl Campbell, uh, just all sorts of people that you just say their names and you don't have to ask why they got the award. So this year I thought, well, let's combine the two. Let's give the 2021 award to Jackie Cheryl, because he's the one who started the 12th man team based off of the 12th man uh, idea. And they still have it in A&M today, although I believe there's only one man who's the, uh, the 12th man. So then uh, no, it is not sold out. Um, it's on a Wednesday night. Um, uh, like I said, people are all over Houston, so it's difficult for us. We, we have a high school event, our high school awards dinner in December. We have about 800 at that. Used to be a thousand, but it's, we're, we're consistently at 800 with that. And uh, that's what we we're hoping for. But we're, right now we're at 400 and we can sit 800 in the room. So uh, we're, if somebody wants to come out, I'll have 60 seats available for walk-ups, uh, $50 a pop. Of course, if they want to make a donation, that'd be great too. Uh, we've got a donation button on our website at touchdownclub.org. But uh, uh, we've got uh, Governor Perry coming in to speak on behalf of Jackie, uh, Richmond Webb, All-American at A&M, All-Pro with the Miami Dolphins, and uh, um, several others. We've got some uh, pl players' parents who are coming in to speak. And uh, so we've got these people off the original 12th man team in 1983. So it's going to be significant. Uh, I think anybody who comes to it, even if you're not, uh, didn't go to A&M, you'll have an appreciation for the football history here. It's just, I think, of course, I have to think this, I think it's going to be fantastic because I'm, I'm running the event, but uh, well, we've co uh, we're working with the Houston A&M club as well. They're co-sponsoring. So uh, yeah, come on out. I think it will be a great event and uh, one of historical significance. Yeah, we're both Aggies, so that, that definitely piques both of our interests. <laughs> My daughter graduated from A&M. Um, okay, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I mean, you hear stories about that kickoff team. If you're a second-gen Ag or something like that, I mean, I remember growing up hearing about it, and my, all my mom did was talk about it. And, you know, yeah. I never got to appreciate it because once I got there, it was, like you said, just a one-man award for a walk-on. But Well, the president, the current president of the Touchdown Club is Nick Mirgo who was a 12th man in the nineties, okay. the mid nineties under RC Slocum and okay. RC was coming, but uh, he's had cancer treatment. So right. he feels like uh, he, he wants to be there. He made a video for us, but he uh, just because of his treatments and mm -hmm. the possibility of COVID and the right. flu even. So he, he won't be there, but we'll have his video. Yeah. What, what, 
what is the best way to keep up with any events that y'all are having? Is there a email that they can sign up with or? Or, yeah, uh, my the email for the Touchdown Club is H-O-U-T-D club mm-hmm. at att.net, which is at the bottom of every page of our website, uh, touchdownclub.org, O-R-G. And I'll be happy to put people on our database. Uh, if you go to our website, we've spent a lot of money recently to update it. We, we've we have some older members. We've dragged them kicking and screaming into the 1990s <laughs> with, a, with a website. But uh, we, uh, we have a list of all of our events and you also will be able to uh, order tickets uh, off the website through PayPal. Okay. Awesome. Tobin, you wanna, we, yeah. we've got some questions for you as yourself real quick before we let yeah. you know. Uh, my last question for you. So I know that uh, you're at the Houston Chronicle for some time. Uh, being at the Chronicle, did you ever get to cover any high school football? And if you did, what was one of your favorite games that you were ever able to cover? Oh, yeah. I uh, started off in high schools. I had the recruiting um, uh, section work, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I took it very seriously. I, I ended up calling 100 people a day for six weeks. You know, it was just – and, again, not, n- n- not to brag, but – uh, one of the older guys at the Chronicle at the time, uh, Fred Fowler Sr., pulled me aside one time, and they had a they have surveys that they do mm-hmm. at the Chronicle, and the number one red thing in the paper, like the third year I was doing this, was front page. Number two was editorial, and number three was high school football recruiting. Huh. So it was a significant thing. Uh, I guess my favorite story was. Um, when Klein went up to Plano and beat Plano there, uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was one of those feel-good Friday night lights. Mm-hmm. You know, the Friday night light book could have been written about Plano as opposed to Odessa Permi, you know. But um, yeah. there was a long pass play. The defensive back for uh, Plano held up the, the Klein guy and then – alignment kept running 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 and i mean this was 40 yards 50 yards down the field and the lineman by golly was going to make sure that that uh receiver the client receiver paid for catching that ball and he ended up hitting him and knocking him and the defensive back into the end zone <laughs> for uh a, to put Klein ahead i i said i can't remember i think it was a game winning score and it's, it's like there was so much effort. There was so much desire. And, uh, but he didn't do it the right way. He should have gone into the end zone and then come back. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know why, but I, I remember that story. And um, I, I thought that was a, just a fascinating way that doing the right thing the wrong way can come back to haunt you. And it was just yeah. – that was a – that to me, I, I've always remembered that game. That's yeah, that, somebody's put that in a book is the doing the right thing the wrong way can come back to haunt you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, I think I it's really cool that, uh, you, you know, your uh, article on the on the recruiting in the Houston, I guess all of Texas landscape was one of the number three things read. I guess that was kind of before we had all these recruiting insights and stuff like that. So that's where people had to go and get their information. That's really, <laughs> well, really cool. A negative story about that 
uh, nobody had caller ID when I was doing it in the oh. 80s. So there were some people representing colleges saying they were me and talking to players and trying to get them to go to their particular school. Oh. So uh, social media does have its positives yeah. in that you yeah. can see somebody's face now, you can see the phone number. And uh, back then, uh, there were a bunch of lying liars out there doing stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could imagine trying to get the scoop and everything. Yeah, so I've got one more question for you, but I'm, I have another one that spurred up. Who was the best player that you covered while working with the Chronicle high school wise? The best player. Yeah, we ask all of our coaches that when they hop on. So now I get to ask you that since you covered it. <laughs> well, I'd have to say Vince Young. Uh, I don't. I don't really have the high school beat at that time. I had the Rice beat, but I went and saw him play, and mm. he's uh, he was a magic man. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've seen he's some highlights of him won. from the from the yeah. Astrodome. Oh, is he at Houston Madison? Was that it? Madison, yeah. Ray yeah. Seals was his coach, and I've I've been able to get with Ray, he helps us with our private high school uh, kickoff dinner and awards dinner at the end of the year. And I've uh, forged a good friendship with Ray. And so our last, or our last question before we let you go is, did I, did I read correctly? Were you in the show band of the Southwest while at Texas? <laughs> I was, yes. Well, how, how was on. that? I know, I know it wasn't called DKR back then, but what was it like marching in DKR? I guess, was it just Memorial Stadium back then or? Memorial Stadium. Okay. Yeah. One year we dedicated a uh, Lady Liberty statue in the south end of, the, of this football stadium. And the band director was really concerned because we always left the field playing the, you know, the fight song. And uh, instead we turned around and played uh, God bless America. I think it was. And he was concerned people would be, would want to hear the UT fights. <laughs> and uh, I just look at, no, don't worry about it. They'll, yeah. they'll do what we want. But uh, a story about that. Uh, I, I was also in, the Boy Scouts in college, Alpha Phi Omega, which has a huge chapter day and in right. at TCU, SMU, Baylor, Tech, Tech's chapter may be the best of them all. But um, I, uh, <laughs> I ended up because I had so much to do. I volunteered to be on Big Bertha, the the mm -hmm, big the drum. Uh, drum. Yes, sir. And uh, my senior year, I was in the end zone guarding Bertha. And, and Aggie comes out uh, in his courtyard uniform. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> in his core uniform. And uh, I don't know if you know, but the Longhorn Band not only wears the marching Porter Wagner uniform with the, the fringe on it, but we wear cowboy hats. Right. Beaver cowboy hats, the real thing. Awesome. I bought mine, sent one to my dad. My dad still wears it. He loves it. Well, you put them on your head with hairpins because they would blow off right so the guy and a core guy comes up from behind i might add it wasn't man enough to come up on <laughs> and grabs my hat and takes off with it and of course he takes out part of my hair and uh i run after him and uh what he's done is he's tossed it up into the a&m section at memorial stadium so i run and i jump up in there following the hat and um i uh people see what's going on so they step in my way here are all these aggies stepping in my way 
And I'm like, oh. well, you know, I'm, I'm 6'3", 220 at the time, 210, like that. So I'm just lowering my shoulder and going through it. <laughs> and uh, I catch up with the guy who has my hat underneath, in front of the concession stand, or underneath Memorial Stadium. And I tackle him. I said, hey, I don't want to fight. I don't care about anything. I'm going to have to pay for this hat, you know, if I lose it. Give me, all I want is my hat. And so he gives it to me and I turn around, I'm starting to go back. Well, about six Aggies, none in the core, because apparently they knew what was going on, grabbed me. And I, I feel like I'm about to get the hell beat out of me. And I just, the guy, and I still have the hat in my hand and the guy, uh, core guy grabs it and runs off. And I said, stop him, he has my hat. And every one of those guys who had me put their hands on their face and went, oh, stop him, he has his hat which was kind of funny, yeah. but that meant they let go of me. So boom, I take off to, after, after the guy. But what he's done is the core has formed a line of, I don't know, 20 guys. And so they start tossing the hat, you know, down, 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 down. Yeah. There's no way I can catch up with them. So I walk back down, defeated onto the floor of uh, Memorial Stadium again. The band director looks at me uh, and I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I'm upset. I'm embarrassed. And uh, the uh, UT police came over and one cop says, I said, then the guy who took my hat had been drinking. What, what are the odds? And he uh, was just standing there, didn't even leave from his spot. And so I told the policeman he needed to arrest that guy. That's the guy who took my hat. And the cop, the UT cop wearing burnt orange on his look yeah. that said, no, we're not going to do anything. I went, no, wait a minute. That's the guy I'm identifying. Arrest him. He goes, no, that's going to cause a problem here. We're not doing anything. Oh. By that time, the dean of students at AM came over and offered to pay for the hat. I said, who are you? And he hands me his card. He's the dean of students. So I give that to the band director, and I assume AM paid for my damn hat. But uh, anyway, that's, that's my story about uh, being in, in uh, the Longhorn Band in my um, uh, event with the Corps. Because I'm sure somebody nailed that hat on their dorm wall somewhere in College Station. Oh yeah, probably so. Unfortunately, there's <laughs> no telling. That's that. awesome. The stories from, I guess, everything before the 2000s. I mean, it's not just A&M, but stories I hear from people all over about the life that they lived in college, like this stuff, and really even high school. The the stuff you can do for fun, and and everybody was just laugh it off at after a certain point is now oh oh life changing. Yeah, well. We had, as I said, Big Bertha and uh, a group of SMU band members came down and were trying to steal something, the drum head, something. I don't think they really thought it out, but they got caught and the UT police let them go. Well, that was the week of the SMU game. And as uh, Memorial Field uh, or Memorial Stadium used to have a track around it. Mm -hmm. So that's how we would march in. And as we marched in front of the SMU band, I think there were eight of them, 10 of them. They all were wearing black masks saying, ha ha, it was us. So those are some stories too about, about the old days. Yeah, this, the Southwest Conference has some awesome stories. Yeah, there's some good stuff from back then, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. UT baseball. I, I wrote a book on Southwest Conference baseball and uh, UT had to win one game or not play uh, a particular weekend, which I think it was against the Aggies. I'm, I've gone blank. I'm sorry, but um, uh, there was a storm 
that was coming, but Friday, a sprinkler system was turned on to where they couldn't play. And Saturday it rained, if I remember this correctly. Uh-huh. And uh, UT ended up going to the playoffs. That's back when only one school went instead uh-huh. of AM or instead of TCU. I, I remember. Right. But, yeah. It, it, they, basically, the scene from the movie um, Bull Durham, uh, where we need the rain out. Yeah, Blue, Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He goes, I'll get that you happened, the rain out. That, well, that happened, what, 20 years before the movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> but already, so is there a social media that everybody can follow for the touchdown club? Yeah. Uh, I religiously update our Facebook page, which is touchdown club of Houston. Mm-hmm. I try to have a story up a day and usually it's more than that. And then um, our Twitter is at Houston TD club. And uh, as I said, you can always look at our schedule at uh, touchdownclub.org. Um, you had mentioned before you called uh, some stories about the touchdown club. Right. And I, I do have one. Um, Worthing High School, uh, I believe that's in the fifth ward over here in, uh, in uh, inner city, Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, they produced some really great players. Uh, Robert Wilson, who, who was a running back at AM, but uh, the biggest one was uh, Mike Singletary. And when Singletary was there, their weight room was. A, a, a bar uh, you know that you put weights on a weight bar but they had no weights so they put buckets with rocks on it and that's that was their their weight room and that is a reason we've started our weight room project for the touchdown club uh, eventually Worthing got some weights but uh, we try to give out weights every year anywhere from two schools to five schools depending on how much money we've raised and uh, I believe our second year, we gave uh, weights to Worthing. And uh, Coach Snow was the coach then. He's the one who had uh, Singletary. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pro Maxima is where we get our weights, it's local here in Houston. And they usually give us more than we pay for because they understand the process and what's right. happening with the kids there in, in the inner cities. And um, What's funny is uh, Snow came back and talked to one of our events about it, and he, he literally started crying. He said uh, when Pro Maxima got there with their van, they were going to, they had, had gotten up on the curb, and they were going to ask, where's the weight room? Where do we put these weights? Well, the football players were eating lunch. They left their food on their tray. I mean, that's important, a teenager leaving food on the tray. Right. And they came outside. And they started unloading the weights and weight equipment at that time. And they put them in the weight room and they started working out immediately. And um, Coach Snow, uh, Eddie Snow said, with a tear coming down his eye again, that no one has ever done anything for Worthing before. So, uh, and I've told that story many times, but that's a reason we want people to come to Touchdown Club uh, events. I don't think I've missed an event in 22 years and we're uh, continually uh, making a difference, I think. Right. And uh, we're not, uh, we're neutral. Uh, uh, we, we don't, you know, we bring in the A&M coach, but we're not necessarily pro A&M. We, we bring in the TCU coach, but we don't just promote TCU. Right. We're here to promote football on all levels. 
And as we like to say, that, that makes us non-denominational. So right. we, we, you know, we feel like we're making a difference. It definitely sounds like you are. That's for sure. 100%. I, I love to hear that y'all are doing that, you know, for, for the schools in Houston. I think it's a great deal what y'all have going on over there. I love hearing stories like that. There, there's no other place like it, or there's no other organization like this mm-hmm. uh, in the country. And part of it is because the High School Football Coaches Association in Houston, the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association, uh, there's no, there's none, nothing like that. You know, Dallas is yeah. trying to start one, but there's too much infighting and bickering. And we have the support of, of the high school coaches, and that helps us. Uh, with the high school events, and in turn, that um, helps us, uh, you know, with our college and, and other events. Right. So it's a symbiotic relationship. We appreciate the coaches, uh, public and private, and they appreciate us. And plus, we feel like we get it done the right way. Um, our selections are done with coaches and athletic directors, you know, the experts. It's not touchdown club board members throwing a dart at a dartboard or just looking at statistics. You know, we, we actually look at uh, film. We, we want to see how a kid looks. I mean, he could have 500 rushing yards against a very bad team, but what's he done against the very good teams? Right. So that's, that's what we try to look at. Is his motor constantly running? Does he never take a playoff? Does he have you know high character? Is he coachable? Does he have good body language? All of that stuff is is part of it. We, we've had players who've gone on to be all Americans in college, not make our final table because they um, they took plays off. Yeah. And so uh, and again, that's all with the, the coaches see that they're the experts, not not us, and we we appreciate the coaches. Yeah. And there's, and I mean, just, I know you were specifically talking Houston, but from what I've, I've heard and talked to through people in the short time that I've been in media is that there's nothing like Texas high school football coaches in general. I know they have their rivalries and everybody has their downside, but as far as, I mean, as long as you're respectful to them and open and just be honest with about what you are and who who you are and what you're doing, they've been extremely good to us. And yeah. You know, Coaches in Texas are just something different. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, again, I, I researched this when I was in the media. Texas didn't used to be football country. It used to be Pennsylvania, Ohio. Right. And then when Texas hit oil, the oil workers from Pennsylvania brought football with them. And that's, that's why I think West Texas is so much better than the big cities, you know, in the teens, 20s, 30s. And then uh, the big cities caught up, and I, I think passed, uh, passed yeah. the uh, smaller towns. But uh, it's it it, it it pains me to say this, but I remember University of Oklahoma didn't invent the wishbone. That was the University of Texas, but they say they perfected it. Perfected it. Yeah. And I, I feel like we didn't invent high school football, but we perfected it. Oh yeah, uh, I agree. It, I agree with that. Pretty dang close to perfect is. Especially, especially, I don't know if you've looked at the radar for this weekend, but it's definitely football weather coming in this weekend. So the, you get it. that, get that right. cool weather and the lights on and everything's ready to go. So. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Farmer, you got anything else for us? We really appreciate your time. No, uh, it's, it's just interesting. 
whenever we have an event, it's, it's organic. It takes on its own life. Uh, one event, someone talked about somebody's hair and then there were hair jokes throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. Another time somebody talked about uh, mother-in-laws, I think. And so there were mother-in-law jokes throughout it. So uh, even though a coach or a player might not get along with another person, I feel like there's power in what we do, getting people together, getting people to work together, be together, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's on a, 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 a racial plane, uh, a school plane, a coach versus parent plane. You know, we, we, we feel like what we're doing is, is very good and done the right way. We, we follow NCAA rules, UIL, I, excuse me, UIL rules, mm -hmm. as well as IRS rules. And uh, we have the support of, of the UIL. Uh, all it takes is a couple of calls because they know we're going to do it the right way if, mm -hmm. yeah. if we need them. And um, or, uh, they'll talk to me. They, we don't necessarily get what we want, but they right. certainly will talk to us. Well, at least answer but, the phone. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I I feel very strongly about it. But then I like I said before, I have to. I'm executive director, so I have to have some uh, passion, which I feel like I do. Well, good luck with the event. Uh, hopefully, yeah. it's a huge success, and we really appreciate you coming on today. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to hear what Governor Perry has to say. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure oh, he's yeah. got. Some, he's probably got some of those quote unquote core turd core turd stories as well. Yeah, he, he was the L leader. I understand. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 All right. We appreciate it. Thank you.